All right, sorry about that. I just realized I forgot a super important prop. Uh, okay, thank you, Marcia. Uh, oh, this is so good. Verse 10, hear the word of the Lord, O nations, and declare in the coastlands afar off and say, he who, get, who scattered Israel will gather him and keep him as a shepherd keeps his flock. This is huge because right now there are Jewish people living in all the nations of the world. But the fact that Israel is a nation is part of the prophetic promise of God. And why does Satan, why is Satan so anti-Semitic? And why is he even stirring it up sometimes in believers? Because he knows that if he can wipe out the Jewish people, that he makes God a liar because God doesn't fulfill his promises. But God said, thank you, Marcia. God said, he who scattered Israel will gather him and keep him as a shepherd keeps his flock. And other places in Jeremiah, he said, I will return. I will bring them back. This is the only place in the Bible where he says this with all my heart and soul. God says that. Is God passionate about bringing his people back to the land? A hundred percent. For the Lord has ransomed Jacob and redeemed him with the hand of him who was stronger than he. Behold, the days are coming. And this is where we get the new covenant. It's right here. Behold, the days are coming, declares the Lord. When I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and the house of Judah, not like the covenant which I made with their fathers in the day, I took them by the hand to bring them out of the land of Egypt. My covenant, which they broke, although I was a husband to them, declares the Lord. But this is the covenant which I will make with the house uh, of Israel after those days declares the Lord I will put my law within them and on their heart and I will write it and I will be their God and they shall be my people so let me ask you a question who is the new covenant written to Israel however when you come to faith in Jesus you then become a partaker of that new covenant. It is extended from the house of Israel to the nations. Amen. Who's grateful for that? (laughs) But you must understand originally in the context, this is for the house of Israel. You see, God loved the nations of the world so much, so much that he raised up one entire nation to be the original missions agency to the whole world. And that original missions agency is the house of Israel. They will not teach again, each man his neighbor and each man his brother, saying to the Lord, for they will all know me from the least of them to the greatest of them, declares the Lord, for I will forgive their iniquity and their sin. I will remember no more. And this is what we read from the book of Hebrews. But we have to understand It's coming in a greater context. What follows this passage of the new covenant? Are you ready? If you have tissues, (laughs) you can bring them up. Thus says the Lord, who gives the sun for light by day and the fixed order of the moon and the stars for light by night who stirs up the sea so that its waves roar. The Lord of hosts is his name. If this fixed order 
departs from me, declares the Lord, then the offspring of Israel will also cease from being a nation before me forever. Thus says the Lord, if the heavens above can be measured and the foundations of the earth searched out below, then I will also cast off the offspring of Israel for all they have done, declares the Lord. Friends, let me ask you a question. Is God done with Israel? Can you measure out the foundations of the earth? Can, you, can we do any of these things? We can't. If we could, then there might be a possibility, but we can't. God is committed to restoring the house of Israel, and we should be too. And then, Rab Shaul, the Apostle Paul says in Romans 11, verse 11. So we're going to go now to the other sister passage, right? We have the root passage, which is Jeremiah 31. We have Hebrews 8 coming from one side. We have Romans 11 coming from the other side. Now let's unpack it in the context which the readers understand. I say then, did they stumble so as to fall? Did they? May it never be. But by their transgression, salvation has come to the Gentiles to make them what? Jealous. Let's pause here for a second. Do you know what is the most attractive thing about you to a Jewish non-believing person? Your relationship with Father God. Through Messiah Yeshua. The fact that you have access to hear the voice of the Lord, to understand the scriptures through the Holy Spirit, to pray for the sick and see that they're recovered, to have communion with the Lord, that is the most attractive thing to a Jewish non-believer because that's what we were destined for but have been severed from it because of sin. And there is a special anointing upon the Gentile church that even I as a Messianic Jew cannot carry. And you're about to find out what it is. Verse 12. Now if their transgression is riches for the world and their failure is riches for the Gentiles, how much more will their fulfillment be But I am speaking to you who are Gentiles. Inasmuch then as I am an apostle of the Gentiles, I magnify my ministry. If how, if somehow I might move to jealousy, my fellow countrymen and save some of them. And even contextually here, you see Paul, the apostle, Rav Shaul in Romans 9 and Romans 10 and Romans 11. He says things like, I bear the truth in my heart. My spirit is not lying. I wish that I could be cut off. Cut off from Messiah for the sake of my own people, Israel. He's willing to lose his salvation because he understands that when Israel comes to faith, it is a life from the dead. Then he talks in Romans 10 about brothers. My prayer to God in heart is for all Israel to be saved, right? He talks about this, for Israel to come to know the Lord. And now in Romans 11, he's just bringing it home. And he's addressing the Gentiles in the Roman uh, community, 
Verse 15. For if their rejection is the reconciliation of the world, what will their acceptance be? What kind of acceptance are we talking about here? For, and what kind of rejection are we talking about here? For if their rejection, it's the rejection of Messiah. For if their rejection is the reconciliation of the world, what will their acceptance be? Acceptance of what? Of Messiah be. But life from the dead. What's revival? Life from the dead. Friends, the secret to world revival is Israel's revival. You will never see a greater revival in your lifetime than when you see Jewish people coming to faith because it activates them to fulfill their destiny as God's original missions agency to the nations. The secret to world revival is Israel's revival. If the first piece of dough is holy, the lump is also. If the root is holy, that's the house of Israel, the branches are too. But if some of the branches were broken off, actually, excuse me, the root is the patriarchs, I'm sorry. Verse 17, but if some of the branches were broken off and you, being a wild olive, speaking to the Gentiles, were grafted in among them and became partaker with them of the rich root of the olive tree, do not be arrogant toward the branches. But if you are arrogant, remember that it is not you who supports the root but the root supports you. For I do not want you, brethren, to be uninformed of this mystery so that you will not be wise in your own estimation that a partial hardening has happened to Israel until the fullness of the Gentiles has come in so all Israel will be saved. What was the headline for Jeremiah 31? That God is going to be the God of all the families of Israel, right? Just as it is written, the deliverer will come from Zion. He will remove ungodliness from Jacob. That's taken from Isaiah. And then this part from Jeremiah 31. This is my covenant with them when I take away their sins. I want to center in here on one very important word in Romans 11. And that's the word fullness. Now, if you have a different... I actually like how NASB translates it here. I think NIV translates it as full number. Um, some other translations translate it as full number. And you kind of think when you read full number, you kind of think that maybe there's like a counter in heaven, right? 999,999,999. Boom! You know, the last Gentile got saved. You know, somewhere, you know, in Shanghai or whatever. Last Gentile got saved. Now it's Israel's turn. But that's not what it actually means. I like what NASB says here. It's the fullness of the Gentiles. And that word in the Greek is the word pleroma. And fullness means like a filling up. And here's the thing here. What is the secret to Israel coming to faith? And when I say Israel, specifically in this context, I'm not talking about the little country the size of New Jersey that has all her enemies against her and God just keeps protecting her. Okay, I'm talking about the Jewish people who live to your right and to your left. 
the families of your friends at school, of your children's friends at school, your doctors, your lawyers, your nurse, your family members. This is who I'm talking about. Biblically, the secret to Israel's revival, when are they going to get saved? When the fullness of the Gentiles comes in. Raise your hand if you're a Gentile. Okay, this is you. When we have that fullness of understanding, fullness of anointing, fullness of intimacy, fullness of boldness to step out and do what God has called you to do, fullness, fullness, fellowship with the Holy Spirit, fullness, it is going to spill out, and it's going to spill out, and it's going to spill out, and it's going to spill out. And you are the key to the greatest revival this world has ever seen. Life from the dead. And I believe that the Holy Spirit wants to activate something within you today. Can you feel it? Can you feel him speaking to your heart? You're not here by accident. You're not here by accident. I can't fulfill this part, actually, because I'm a Messianic Jew. I'm not part of the fullness of the Gentiles. This isn't my role to play in Israel's salvation. I can be a mother to Jewish believers. I can welcome them in. I can provide discipleship. But this part here, that's all you. All you. Verse 28, from the standpoint of the gospel, they are enemies for your sake. But from the standpoint of God's choice, they are beloved for the sake of the fathers, for the gifts and calling of God are irrevocable. Sometimes we take this verse out of context, but it's really talking about Israel. And I want to just say for a moment, and I'm not here to accuse, and I'm not here to guilt trip, but I think... Maybe it even has not been you. Maybe it was your parents or your grandparents. But I think as a church at large, I am painting with broad strokes here. Some of us have stopped at the first part from the standpoint of the gospel. They're enemies for your sake. And there's been contempt in our hearts towards the Jewish people. Maybe just not being anti-Semitic, but asemitic. Huh? What does it matter? They've got their synagogues, they have their shul, we have our churches. But there has not been an awakening. And the kind of uh, thing from the next part of the verse, but from the standpoint of God's choice, they are beloved for the sake of the fathers. And I believe that the Lord wants to heal your perspective and your standpoint today. To embrace more fully the standpoint of God's choice of them being beloved. Even, you know, in Matthew 25, we were familiar with the passage, the sheep and the goats. But contextually, Jesus says, for whatever you've done to the least of these brothers of mine. Who are the brothers of mine? Jewish people, you have done also unto me. 
I want to finish with one passage here before we spend some time in prayer. Yeshua talks about things that have to happen before he returns, right? He's very clear. What are some things that we know as the body of Messiah? What are some things that we know have to happen before he returns? Raise your hand. Tell me. Yes. The whole world were here. Great. Anything else? Wars and rumors of wars. Great. <laughs> if, you, if we were in jeopardy, you would have a lot of money right now. Uh, <laughs> what else? What else has to happen before Jesus returns, huh? Awesome. Uh, yes. Mm, okay. That's... It doesn't, it does, won't happen necessarily before he returns, but yeah, that's, that's kind of, yeah. I want to bring your attention to one thing, and I hope that you can see Romans 11 from a little bit bigger perspective today. Have you, could, do you feel like you could see it a little bit differently? I want you, I want to bring your attention to one other verse. And if you actually don't remember anything that I talked about today, I want you to remember this one verse. Right before Jesus went into Jerusalem to give his life, right? He laid it down. The Jewish people didn't kill him. The Romans didn't kill him. He said, I lay it down. No one can take it from me. He is on a mountain and he's overlooking the city of Jerusalem. And he's just in this place of incredible um, His heart is full with all the emotions, right? And he speaks from his heart, and he also speaks prophetically. He says, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, who kills the prophets and stones those who are sent to her, how often I wanted to gather your children together the way a hen gathers her chicks under her wings. And you were unwilling So he's wanted, he's wanted to gather, and they were unwilling. Behold, your house has left you desolate, for I say to you, and then if you have your Bible, if you underline, I don't know if you underline or not, but if you do, underline this part, for from now on, you will not see me. And then some translations say, you will not see me again. What are we talking about? The second coming. And then you have this hinge word. You will not see me again until. Everyone say until. 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 You will not see me again until you say, Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Baruch haba b'shem Adonai. I want you to hear the heart of Jesus. Maybe you've had a bad experience with weird messianic people or people who said they were messianic and they're like all obsessed with Torah. That's not actually messianic Judaism, by the way. It's not. Messianic Judaism is focused on evangelism. And then there's all these other weird groups who say that they're messianic, but they're not. Okay. So scratch all the weirdness out and hear my heart. God is looking 
for people who will say yes and amen to what his focus is. Jesus said, Jesus said, you will not see me again until, friends, we, when what we do at Congregation Baruch Hashem, this is the aim of our ministry, is to see Jewish people in Phoenix come to faith in Yeshua. This is the heartbeat of God. Lots of us are waiting for the return. But that can't happen until we start to love our Jewish brothers and sisters and neighbors and say, oh, the Messiah of Israel has come. He's fulfilled all the promises in the Old Testament. He loves you. He wants to reconcile you to him. Every moment of your life and being part of the Gentile um, branch of Messiah's body, God is preparing you. And do I believe that all nations need to hear? 100%, absolutely. But I believe that there's been a neglect, not from all of us, but maybe, maybe not neglect is the right word, but maybe just not the full awareness of how important Israel's salvation is to the heart of Jesus. Who wants to see the second coming of the Lord? Who's willing to do whatever God calls them to do to hasten his return. We can't control it, but we can participate with him in it. We're going to take a few moments of quiet. My friend here is going to play softly in the background, but we're going to, now we're talking about pouring it out. Okay. There's a call to action because all of this understanding of the word of God, it won't have its full effect unless we're activated to do something. Right. So I want to give an opportunity for a few things. For a time of repentance, I believe that the Holy Spirit is speaking to our hearts, and it might be on different topics. So I'm not going to project anything onto you, but I want you to take a moment to ask the Holy Spirit where you're seated. Is there anything that I need to repent for in my relationship with the Jewish people? It could be omission. It could be commission. It could just be distance. Maybe there's nothing to repent for, and that's okay. And then we're going to take a few moments to pray into the play Roma, and I want to pray uh, as I want to pray as a group over you guys for that fullness to come. And then 
if we can, when we're in the small groups, pray about two things, the salvation of Jewish friends and family. By name, I want you to call them out by name before the Lord. And then I'm going to ask you this part two right here. What's my part? Because like I told you, I can't do that thing. It's on you. And I'm grateful because there's not a more beautiful group of people that it could be entrusted to. So as she plays... We're just going to take about two minutes and we're going to go through this first part. And I want you to ask the Holy Spirit if there's anything that you need to repent for. Quietly in your seat. And then as he speaks, respond. We're going to move into the next part. And I'd like to pray for you that you would walk in the pleroma of what the Lord has called you to do. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10 says, For we are his workmanship, created in Messiah Yeshua for good works that God has prepared beforehand so that we might walk in them. All of you have a destiny in the kingdom of God with specific gifts with a specific calling, with, with a specific role to play. And it's no accident that you were born at this time, that you were born in the place that you were, and even that you're here today. Because I believe that the Lord wants to awaken something within each of you, even towards the salvation of Israel. So, Father, right now, I pray over my precious sisters today. Would you guys just extend your hands up? If you feel like it, I'm not going to force you, but if you want to receive that, just put your hands in a receiving posture. Lord, I pray that you would touch each of them. We pray for an outpouring of the Holy Spirit.
Lord, that you would meet every woman where they are, that you would fill them with a greater anointing, with a fullness of understanding, with a fullness of intimacy, with a fullness of knowledge of you. Lord, that you would put your words in their mouth and your words in their heart as they reach out with extravagant love. Even in Jeremiah 31, you say, I have drawn you with cords of loving kindness. And as they reach out to their Jewish friends and family and neighbors, that they would reach out with your arms with cords of loving kindness, with unfailing and unconditional love. Lord, I pray that you would activate within my sisters a spirit of intercession, that they would receive your heart more fully so that they can walk in your heart more fully today and until your return. Thank you, Lord, for what you are accomplishing here today. I ask that you would seal it, that it would be a new day in history for every woman here and that we would fully surrender to what you are calling us to do. Thank you, Lord, for the time that we get to be alive and for the work that we get to partner in for your name's sake until the return of Yeshua. B'Shem Yeshua. Amen. And I want you just to take one moment. One moment. We're going to have one minute of silence. And I want you to ask the Lord, what's my part? What's my part? Okay? Can we just say that aloud together? What's my part? We're going to take a moment in silence and let him speak. you have an opportunity go ahead and write that down whatever he's showing you so that you can remember it write it down You're part of the fullness. You're part of the fullness. Got about 30 more seconds here.
All right. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. I ask that you continue to speak to my sisters, to encourage them, and to fill them with the fullness of life, as you have promised in your word. In Yeshua's name we pray. Amen. Thank you very much.